Thanks for listening to this edition of the Lanco Worship Link Training. Each month, we get together to inspire, connect, and equip local worship teams. Find out when the next event is at blancoworshiplink.blogspot.com. Here's this month's training. Something tonight will, will rock you a little bit because this is amazing information. And... Um, I can't take real claim to fame for any of it because my original and only voice teacher has been Tom Hauser in New Holland. Anybody know of Tom? Okay. Um, Tom has, uh, he, he lives sort of incognito down right off of uh, 23. He's got a house right there on Route 23. Go around the back to his uh, studio. He's probably in his late 60s now, uh, maybe even a little older, but he has a, a student, or at least he did 10, 20 years ago, he had a student in every one of the metropolitan operas all over the world. Traveled to um, Africa and um, to Italy. He once told me that on a trip to Italy, Italians have two cell phones, one on each ear, and that is serious. They are serious talkers. <laughs> but um, to have that kind of a resource, I found him when I was 15, and I'm 48, do the math. Um, you know, <laughs> I've been with him a long time, and I don't take regular lessons from Tom anymore, but he has taught me absolutely everything that I know about the voice. Um, he's also taught me as much spiritually as he has vocally, and that's going some. But when you work with a teacher like that, especially in your formative young teenage years, um, that person has an amazing impact on your life. And um, so many of the voice principles can be taken over into the spiritual realm. Uh, you know, breathing, breathing in, you know, the, the Word of God and, and breathing out the, um, what the Spirit of God wants to do in us. Um, it, really neat principles. And we'll talk about some of them tonight. Uh, I could literally talk about these, this material for four or five or six hours. I have a women's talk that's a four-hour retreat package that's called In Tune with God, and we examine a lot of these things, but it's on a more spiritual level. But I'm not going to keep you past your tolerance level, so when I start seeing somebody nod off, will this be done? Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about me, and then I'm going to give you a simple voice lesson. And the reason that I chose to do this with you is because some of you never had a voice lesson in your life. You just love to sing, and there was an opportunity to be on the worship team, and so you're up there. And so this is going to be really fun for you. I brought my little Mary Poppins bag. You know, I'm an elementary school teacher, so this will be fun, promise. And, um, and so we're just going to go through a really simple voice lesson. And those of you who know how to sing and know all these things, hopefully some of the little goodies in my bag, they're so normal. You can get them anywhere. You can get some of this at Bard's Hardware. <laughs> and um, you can do this with, with your choir at church or your worship team. Just have a fun activity and, um, and really teach them something. So, fun stuff. So that's the lesson, and um, there's, it's a two-pager, and if we don't get to everything and you have questions, feel free to email me or call. I'm right down the street. I live one street off of the New Holland Pike um, between Leola and Lancaster. If you know where Freeze and Frizz is, um, Horning Road is the next one, and then Pine is the next, and we're on Lindell. So we're real close, and I actually grew up on Pine and Lindell. That's where my parents live now. So I'm a CV grad, went to, uh, Lancaster, Bible, uh, went to Lancaster Christian School, kindergarten through eighth grade, and then CV for ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th. So go CV. Um, and uh, then I went to Lancaster Bible College. But uh, after, um, after we talk about the lesson, then I'm going to give you some spiritual um, principles and some, some tips that I think are really important. Jason asked me to, um, <laughs> to share with you some of my, you know, 
core rock bottom beliefs about worship leading and from the pew and also from some of the worship leading that I do. I get into some um, environments in churches where I speak that uh, cannot afford um, a high priced speaker. And I'm on that national level now where this is my living, this is what I do. And my husband, who graduated with me from Lancaster Bible College, who was a youth pastor for two years in one church, two years in a second church, and then decided he wanted out of the church work. He just, it, it wasn't clicking for him. He just felt like he was doing all the right things and it wasn't going anywhere. Got involved in business. We came back here to the Lancaster area and our daughter Becky was born and um, less than a year later, and this September it'll be 19 years, he came out one Sunday morning and said, I'm done with God. I'm really sorry, I know you didn't sign up for this, but um, I, don't, I can't see him, I can't feel him, I, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. And uh, so that is really the crux of <laughs> how God pushed me into a speaking ministry that um, I might have been thinking of and, and being prepared for, but that has become my, uh, my sharing. And I just love this shirt that says, I love my husband because God first loved me. <laughs> and that's what it came down to in our, our relationship. Um, when, when Rich said that, then everything he did that was wrong, or everything that was wrong with our marriage, of course, was his fault. And so when, when things got bad enough, I finally, as a women's ministry leader and a Sunday school teacher, knowing that who, who would want to deal with me? You know, who wants to tell that kind of person who has the Bible degree and was the pastor's wife what, to, you know, to, to shape up? I finally went to our pastor of counseling at Calvary Church. I'm a Calvary Church girl. Been there ever since I was delivered. And, um, and so Jay Diller was there at the time. You might recognize the name. He's out in Washington now. But he worked me through a series of, um, of principles that I knew that... I now applied to my life and became experiential truth instead of just head knowledge. And as I started to change, <clears throat> not the one I thought needed the change, Rich responded and um, our love came back for each other and we got everything back. Um, and Rich is still holding out. It's 19 years that he considers himself agnostic, but he does allow me to share with um, people who need encouragement to hold on and make marriages stick. So that's what I do, that's what I write about. And with, with his permission, not his support, but his permission, I do this. And that's one of the reasons that I have a high price. And it's also the reason that I'm on a national level because there isn't anyone else in the nation that has exactly this story. So I covet your prayers. I go to uh, NavPress to pitch a really wild idea to them this, Tuesday, or this Wednesday. Wednesday from three to five our time. We just love your prayers. So that's what I do, um, but let me, let me back you up a little bit. Um, told you about Tom Hauser, that's how I got singing. And what really happened was, I went to Conestoga Valley High School, um, ninth grade, and I was this little Lancaster Christian school kid. And, um, and so I, I went and I, I tried out for band, chorus, and orchestra, and I only made band. And I was so bummed. And my parents were like, but you can sing? You know, I've been singing ever since I was three. I sang in front of about a thousand people when I was three, saying Jesus loves me. And um, that doesn't mean that you can sing, just if you sing when you're little. But anyway, um, they were having Christmas, uh, a Christmas party with someone, and that someone, uh, you know, I was there, and, you know, only kid with the older parents. And um, so they introduced us to Tom Hauser, and that's how I got connected with him. And I started taking lessons from him just before I tried out for chorus for my sophomore year, and I made chorus, and then I made orchestra my, my junior year. But that was God's hand, you know. I wasn't ready for anything more than that. 
But that's how Tom and I got linked up, and um, I don't go to him regularly anymore, but I do when I'm working on a project. I've released two CDs. Um, I would sing at church, and I would sing different places here and there. Never really got into the concert circuit. Thought maybe at Lancaster Bible College that that's what I would be doing, but uh, counseling is just not for me. I'm actually not a Christian counselor. I am um, I'm associated with Christian counselors, and I do some non-professional counseling, uh, more mentoring. But um, anyway, uh, it, Christ, or school teaching was definitely the way to go for me. It was obvious that that was God's plan. So I just kept singing. And people would ask me everywhere, do they do this to you? Oh, man, do you have a record? They don't say record anymore, but they'll say, do you, did you make a tape? Do you know how expensive it is to do that? <laughs> and it's getting better. It's, it's getting much better, especially self-published stuff. But the first CD that I made, my parents were going to be married 50 years in 1998. They are now almost to the 60-year part and uh, still going strong. And uh, so I took uh, a company that made soundtracks, and you could rent the soundtracks, and I used a studio in Lidditz. And the man there that was the engineer was actually the engineer of Billy Joel's River of Dreams. Does that make sense to you guys? Probably you older guys, too. Um, and that's really cool because my husband's favorite artist is Billy Joel. So that sort of, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, Nance. <laughs> and uh, the producer was uh, one of the uh, music directors from Lancaster Bible College. And so that's how that project came to be, and that was back in 98. And then I had a concert to uh, release that for my parents at Calvary Church. Let me tell you an illustration from that that is extremely important for all of us. <laughs> and that is that when something happens with the technology, it's how you handle it that keeps the whole mood of the, the group of people in the right realm, in the right feel. What happened to me is, um, you know, 1998, the churches were just starting to get CD units, and all my accompaniment tracks were on CD, and I had a live accompanist for some things, but my tape in the, or my CD in the back, they couldn't get it to work. And the guys are back there, you know, we can't, we can't get it, we can't get it. And, and you, I can see them, you know. And so the orchestra, of course, wasn't coming on for the next song, and I finally said, and you know, you just hold your, you graciously hold your, your countenance in a positive way so that nobody gets nervous, because if you don't get nervous, they're not going to get nervous. If something happens up here, chances are the people out there are not even going to notice it, unless it's big. Well, this was pretty big, because the music didn't come on. And so I said, it was about the middle of the concert, I should have brought water with me. I'm sorry, I've been eating too much sugar lately and just dry. Thank you. Um, so anyway, the, the, there was a problem back there and I said to um, just, just stop the concert and said, let's just take a moment. I know that many of you are here from different churches and different places because you're from different areas of my parents' life. I'm sure there are people you don't know or that you haven't seen in a while. So let's just take a quick intermission. I'll see what's, what we can do with uh, the situation. And when I get back up, we'll get started again. And so with that, I turned the mic off. That's always a good thing. <laughs> Walked back and we resolved the problems and we kept going. Do you know what the really sad part is? That's all that most people remember about that concert. <laughs> when people would see me after that, they would say, wow, you handled that so well. <laughs> I would be like, you didn't notice any of the singing. <laughs> that first song, or the first um, album was all classic hymns and songs of the faith because my voice is actually a classically trained high soprano. However, 
Later on, uh, in 2006, I did a second CD, and this I did in conjunction with a women's conference called WOW. We stood for Wives Only Workshop, and we're actually doing a, one of those again in York. If you ladies are interested, um, it'll be out on my website. Um, WOW is, is a conference for women that's unlike anything else, and uh, for wives in particular. And so we brought this CD out because Romans 12:2 says to be uh, renewed by, or to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we wanted them to take the concepts that they were learning at that conference and keep them rolling around in their minds. So the CD was for their kitchen CD player or their car CD player. And I can't tell you how many people say, I know all those songs by heart. And that was the whole thing. But I took my own range and I lowered it so that people could sing along with these songs. And that really, 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 thank you, you're a lifesaver. Um, that really made a difference for the people who needed to sing along with those songs. Um, and, and it gives, if you go on, um, the website now has some samples of music. You can also go on CD Baby. Um, both CDs, uh, Come Thou Found and Heart Hope, are on CD Baby. It is amazing. Can you hear the, the difference in my voice? It's amazing what water does. If, if you just take one thing away tonight, remember that water hydrates your voice and your water to your voice, the vocal musculature is like oil to your car. If you run out of oil, you're gonna fry your engine. And so absolutely, absolutely. If you know you're dry, make sure you have some water with you. And if you, um, if you keep hydrated, then you don't need a drink in the middle of singing or talking. I'm just not hydrated well. So, this, this CD was much different than the other one. This one actually went to Nashville several different times. I was able to take Becky with me. Some of the kids know um, my daughter Becky graduated from CV last year. And uh, it was really cool for her. 2006, she was in, um, what would it have been, about ninth grade. Um, she went down with me several times to do um, the, the actual run with the musicians and then um, with the uh, background singers the next time. I did not take her with me to do the leads because I had to be 100% focused and uh, so that was, that was really cool. Uh, but I did that whole project there and if you're interested in anything like that, you know, talk to me about it later. Uh, and then vo vocal coaching just sort of came along. I'd find people or I'd talk about it when I speak. Every, every once in a while as I'm talking about it around town, uh, somebody will say, oh, you give voice lessons, and that's how they find out. And I actually have six set voice lessons that I usually start someone with, and I don't usually work with men, uh, simply because the voice is a part of your body, and I just feel like it's inappropriate between, um, you know, to have the opposite. And, and I had um, a, a male teacher and you see you you can hear everything that's going on in the person's life through their voice and when you're trained to hear that you can tell and often I'd be crying all the way from my house to his house because I was upset about something and I knew that by the time he, I got in there he you know he'd say oh are you okay and I would dissolve into tears so I usually got it out of the way before I got there but there were other things that he knew I mean there are changes in a, a woman's body from month to month and he could tell that from singing and so, uh, you know, there are just some really crazy things that, um, that your voice can tell you. So be very, very careful who you choose as a vocal coach, especially for young girls. Very important. Um, and then, uh, so, so I do vocal coaching like that, and I have these six set lessons with handouts and stuff. So the homeschool kids, um, the parents love to do even just that six um, class kind of um, introductory thing. 
Um, what else do you need to know? Uh, as far as worship in, in a church setting, it's very interesting. I would, you know, Jason made me look back and, and see what I've done in the past. And uh, I've worked with, um, with our own church choir at Ebenezer Bible Fellowship Church. Um, our choir director was um, a person who was on that um, emergency call thing where if blood had to go from one spot to another or somebody had to be transported or organs, he was on call. And so I was on call. If on Sunday morning he was sitting in the pew and he got buzzed, he had to go and I stepped right in and led the choir for him. And that was really fun. Um, you know, some of you would say, whoa, <laughs> but I like that. I like the spontaneous and you have to understand that each person is wired a little bit differently and you need to know that for your team too, because somebody is going to not have any problems getting up front and doing all the talking and another person is going to say, whoa, just really don't want to do that. I'll be up here and sing, but don't make me talk. And uh, that's because you have different personality types. And so, you know, God's given you, specifically wired you to do the things that he's calling you to do. And most times he calls us to minister within our areas of, of comfortability, our areas in which he's already equipped us. Every once in a while, he calls us out of our comfort zone just to shake us up a little and make sure that we know we're dependent on him. So, um, so that's what I did there. And then uh, also, it was very interesting, at the little, when we came back to Lancaster, we went to... Uh, what was it called? Countryside Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. It was a little daughter branch of the big Lancaster CMA. It met in the Youth for Christ building. I don't know if you remember that. But Rich and I decided to go there, and that's uh, during that period of time is when he decided not to go to church anymore. But I actually led the choir there for quite a while. And Becky was, um, she was, I, I was pregnant with Becky when I was directing. You know, well, you direct like this. And it is so funny because when she was born for the first, I don't know, six months of her life, she would sit on Rich's lap toward the front, you know, and she would go like this. We have pictures of her with her arms out. And um, whenever I sang, um, you know, you, you use, if you're singing well in, in a trained way, you're using your whole body, obviously you're going to be uh, shaking that baby up. And she really liked to sing. <laughs> Um, so, let's get into this lesson that you've got in front of you. And uh, Psalm 146 says, uh, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. The voice is the only instrument, it's the only melodic instrument that's perfectly created by God. Every other instrument that can play... Now, you have percussion instruments too. Did you know that? Uh, but the, uh, the melodic instrument that you have is your voice, and you only get one. I had a girlfriend at Lancaster Christian School. We both took flute lessons, and she was very absent-minded. And she, her mother uh, ran over her flute in the driveway with the car because she left it in the wrong place. You can get a new flute, but you can't get a new voice. Um, it's not a good idea to abuse your voice by shouting or screaming or being a cheerleader or um, other things that tax the voice. Even when you cough, <coughs> you're slapping those cords of muscle, the folds of muscle together. So the reason that we have problems with our voices are right here. Fear of failure, ignorance, um, they can often cancel out the blessings that we can enjoy. And so it, it's my, I really feel like one of my jobs in this life is to encourage people who want to sing 
to sing and to get over that fear of failure because failure isn't always a bad thing. You really need to hear this story, and I hate to tell it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I used to sing for the... Um, I used to sing the national anthem for thousands of people at the Reading Phillies game. Not, not a big ballpark, but it's big enough. There's several thousand there, and it's fun. I love crowds, and, um, but I can't remember words. You'll, you'll notice that for our closing song tonight, I have my little lyric sheet up here. Oh, yes, even though it's on the album, and I've sung it time and time and time again. Because I think the way I do, because I have a sanguine personality, my mind is always running with ideas. Bing, 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 bing. And I can be thinking while I'm talking to you about, oh, should I say this? Should this come? And I'm dialoguing with the Lord, even as, you know, things are coming out of my mouth. And so that causes me not to be able to keep particular thoughts, logical thoughts, in a logical pattern. And that's sort of what a song needs. So you can't use the words to the Star Spangled Banner in a setting like that, especially when you're a professional. So I did fine for years. And then they opened a hockey rink, an ice hockey rink. And my husband is totally, totally sold out on ice hockey. Becky played with boys on a boys ice hockey team for five years, then with girls for a year. We were up in Canada. It, it was amazing. We still love hockey. And the Bears are doing really good. So are the Flyers, not too bad. So. Reading Royals, first year they were in existence, I got my letter from the guy at the Reading Phillies and um, got myself a date to sing, and it was the day after my husband's birthday. Yes! So this was good. Um, so Becky went along with me downstairs to where you come out on the thing. I took my jacket off, and I'm like so nervous because usually Rich would stand right behind the catcher's area in the, and he would sing it with me. As long as I looked at him, if I was uncertain about a word, I was fine. You can't do that on the ice rink. Little did I know that they actually turn off all the lights and they shine one light on you and they shine one light on the flag. And in the middle of the song, I lost the words. And I heard, and there were these snickers. And, and then I found the words, and I finished on the highest note I've ever sung in public. And it was amazing, and it was phenomenal. And I was a wreck. I put my coat on. I hope nobody recognized me. I went back up to my seat. I sat down beside my husband. He didn't talk to me for five minutes. And during that five minutes, I looked at the clock. I couldn't look anywhere else. I was just like, oh, I can't believe you let me do this. Sorry, it was my fault. OK, um, had, this, had this conversation with the Lord. It was very one-sided until I said, oh man, how could you let me disappoint Rich? I have totally disappointed my husband. I've disappointed you. And then I realized that we can't disappoint God. Think about that. Can you disappoint God? Uh-uh. Because if, if I disappoint you, it's because I didn't fulfill your expectations. But you see, God already knew what was going to happen. He already expected me to fail. He knew I was going to. And so you cannot disappoint God. You can sadden him by, you know, you can make him, um, you know, sad because of your responses or, or your disobedience, but you can't disappoint him. Well, that was sort of cool. That came out of that, but I was still really on myself. And so about a week and a half later, I had to give a women's talk. And as I did that, there was a part in that message that was on 
allowing God to minister to your heart and not disappointing him and the Holy Spirit's writing me saying you have got to share this that's what I gave it to you for and I'm going no not now maybe five years from now it's still too raw and uh, so anyway to make the story a little bit shorter at the very end of that I stopped right in the middle of the message and I said okay I have to tell you something I really don't want to tell you and I told him the story I got on it I got off of it we went on and at the very very end just before I left a woman came uh, from the back corner and she had tears all the way down her face uh, she, it, she was a mess and she said in 26 years I've been fighting off this horrible feeling like I disappointed God and he, he, he totally took it away today and she said I'm so sorry that you had to go through that but you had to go through it for me now can you see yourself in a worship setting or singing a, a solo in front of the group we don't sing a whole lot of solos but even in a worship team if you've got a little part or something that you don't do correctly how do you feel but what if somebody was watching you and you handled it well and just kept going and trusted the Lord that he was gonna work it out and because of your attitude it changed something for that person and God was able to minister to them would it be worth the embarrassment? Would it be worth the, the couple moments of, oh, I'm a jerk? <laughs> Which really isn't true. There are times that God will say, I need you to do this, and you need to do it. And sometimes he doesn't let you know ahead of time. But mistakes aren't always horrible. And you've gotta trust God even with the mistakes. Okay, let's go through three areas. There are really only three things a voice teacher can teach you can teach you how to breathe better so that you have more power and control and can sustain phrases longer and really phrase the song the way it should be phrased so that it means something, okay? Uh, a person can teach you how to listen better. There is only, now get this, a fraction of 1% of people in this world who cannot sing and that would be because they are tone deaf. They were born tone deaf or something happened to their ears and they cannot hear sound. But if I was to come over here and play a note on the piano, can you sing that? Do. Okay. If you're, you know, depending on where that is in your range, you know, are, can you hear that? Can you, can you match pitches? When you can't match pitches very well because your ear isn't trained, because you just don't have that sort of sense of, oh, it's, it's born into you, you can learn it. And once you learn to match pitches, you never forget it. So that's one of those good, good things that you can learn, that you don't have to like, it, it just, once you get it, you've got it and it's automatic. So it's really worth listening, uh, learning to listen. And then diction, um, diction, it, you know, <laughs> You, you notice that I have really good diction. I don't speak like I live in Lancaster County. Do you know? I was born and raised here. And do you know what my father always says? I sent you to voice lessons so that you wouldn't speak like a Lancaster Countyan. <laughs> um, beat that out of me. Okay. These are, these are some little things under each one of these headings that you can take along with you. They're, they're just little things I'm going to throw out. It makes learning about this so much fun and practical so the first thing um, in in how the voice works you need to know that 
Sound is air, right? Moving air that's in a vibrating pattern. So it's sound wave. So the air, if you want sound, you have to have air. And the more air you have, the more sound you have the capability of having. Okay? So you need the air. How do you get the most air? Well, if you turn over to the back of your sheet, you'll see this weird little guy. And this is the, uh, this is the elementary form of Tom's uh, body map. <laughs> and uh, basically, to have the best posture so that your, your trunk of your body is open as much as possible to bring the air in, you've got to have your... your your lungs are housed inside your ribs. And so the rib, the rib cage in the front and the back has to be open. Now, if I lean back, the back ribs are squishing, they're compressing, okay? If I lean forward, the front ones are compressing. If I slouch, everything's compressing. So I want everything to open. That means I have to be open in the front and the back. And how do you do that? You do it this way, stand up. I'll go through it with you. And you can look at your papers later. But the first thing, and really the only thing you need to know, you are looking so tall. You just, you're on to this. You want to take your head and you want to feel like it's floating up like a helium balloon. It's like somebody could take your hair and go, whoop. <laughs> um, I have, okay, let me dig in my little Mary Poppins bag. It's like, it's like you, you just, you know, this is one of our little angel Christmas tree ornaments. And it's like somebody's holding you by that, that Christmas tree ornament or little thing at the top, the top of your head. So think of this as a helium balloon that's raising up and it's just, it's anchored on your collarbone and so it's just holding you upright. If that is the only thing you remember, you're gonna have great posture and you're gonna have so much more air. Now, the other thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna start yawning. It's not because it's getting late, it's because now that you've got enough more space in there, uh, your body's going, <gasps> Wow, air! <laughs> but here are the other steps. You can think of your head as a helium balloon just floating above, and then think next, number two, of your spine lengthening. And every, every little vertebrae is going click, 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 and it's opening up. Okay? So and you're really not doing a whole lot. This is about being. This is about having your head be up in the air, having your spine be open. Number three, you're going to loosen your legs a little. Don't want to lock knees. And you want to actually get your feet about shoulder width apart. Okay? Then you're going to put your shoulders out. Now, watch me for a minute. You don't want your shoulders back. You don't want your shoulders forward. It's another reason that you don't want guys to teach girls, especially in the junior high age. And you want your shoulders out. The best way to do that is to become Samson. Go ahead. You're going to have to work around each other. Try and push the walls of the church out, okay? Now, once you've got your arms out as much as possible, make sure everything is frozen and just drop your arms. That is your perfect position for your shoulders, right there, relax. You almost want to feel like your fingers have sinkers on them. You know those little fishing sinkers? You know, and, and so you're pulled down. That's amazing posture. So head's a helium balloon, spine's lengthened. I got my feet a little far apart. Uh, loose legs, shoulders out. Once you know where that position is, you don't have to go like this every time. <laughs> Matter of fact, when I'm up just before I, I sing a song, I'll think body map. And the first thing I'll do, and if that's all the time I have, is just head's a helium balloon. And your head isn't going, 
It's going more forward and up. It's almost like somebody's taking the crown of your hair and pulling. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> My husband's completely bald. I like it. Okay, the last thing that happens is, okay, let's go through those four parts again. Your head's a helium balloon, okay? Your spine's lengthened. Your legs are loose. Your shoulders are out. Now, your sternum is the very top of your rib cage. You're going to just simply tilt the rib cage open. So you're not going to go, you're not going to stick your chest out. You're just going to tilt. So just this is going to move slightly up. And when it does, your rib cage opens and you like have to suck in air because you've created such a vacuum. And that's when you start yawning. Okay, can I have a seat? Do you see it? Look at, look at your sheet. Any questions on the body map? Again, simple, simple, simple. Just remember, head's a helium balloon. You can do that when you're just sitting right there, too. I see you yawning. Okay. Um, another trick for breathing. This is where I need the help. Okay, you're going to take a... Take a couple... Take a straw and then the other side, too. Let's see. Thanks. There you go. Okay. Take a straw. And here's the concept. We're going to use the straw in our mouth to breathe into the count of eight. And then we're going to take it out of our mouth and hold it like you would hold a candle. Now, what do you guys do when it's Christmas and your mom has a candle in the middle of the table or you go to a restaurant and there's a candle in the middle of the table? When nobody's looking, you're going just to see that it wiggle. But if you blow it out, your mom will be mad at you. So you just blow it hard enough to make it wiggle. So there's a little, get it about eight inches away from your face, and you want to blow out just enough that the imaginary flame wiggles. Okay? So it's going to be in your mouth. That's good. I always applaud the people who are yawning because it means that you're breathing better. Um, Put your straw in your mouth, breathe into the count of eight. And I'm going to go like this because I'm going to do it with you. I'll go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Then we take it out and we start blowing. And I'll just do it. I'll do four on my hands. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then we're done. So you want to breathe into eight, breathe out for eight. Are you ready? Here we go. Ready? That's good. Did you hear it? He went, (gasps) when he got to the end, because he blew out so much. The thing is, we don't use the air that we do take in very much. We we breathe from up here, so we only use about 10% of what's in there. So what happens to the other 90%? It's stale. It's yucky. That's why as soon as you start really getting the old out and bringing the new in, it gets really a whole lot easier and, and more effective to breathe. Are you ready? Let's try it again. Breathe into the count of eight. Ready? Out. Excellent. Every time you do that, you'll be able to do it longer. And if you will do this exercise, put this by your bed, do it five times in the morning before you get out of bed, five times at night before you go to sleep, you will be absolutely amazed what happens in about two weeks' time. 
you suddenly have so much more capacity to breathe. Okay? Um, now, the other way that you can tell if you're breathing properly, for some reason that little makes you breathe from down here. But this is where you want to feel the breath. And that's because your diaphragm, ooh, 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 where's my diaphragm? Here it is. Your diaphragm is like an upside down cereal bowl. This is very small, but um, it's like an upside down cereal bowl that sits right over top of most of your organs, underneath your heart, but it, it sits over your stomach, your liver, your kidneys, and all of that. And what it does is the diaphragm is a muscle, so it only works when you're breathing in. And I'll tell you what muscles work when you're breathing out. Girls, you'll love it. So, so here's the, um, the diaphragm in your body. And what it does is it turns inside out and pushes down all the organs. That's why if you have to sing right after a banquet and you have just feasted and fed yourself and your stomach's full, it's really hard to sing. Because the diaphragm can't get the organs out of the way. Can't get the, it's hard to sing when you're pregnant, too. Um, you just don't have enough room for the air to fill up the lungs. And so the diaphragm turns inside out, pushes everything down, you fill up with air, and then when the air is coming out, you're actually using bikini muscles. Here are two other suggestions to know that you're breathing in the right place. One is to actually put your hands around your midsection because you don't want to breathe up here. You want to breathe here and here and around here. And uh, the other thing to do is lay completely on the floor and God in his infinite wisdom made sure that when we breathe at night, when we're sleeping and unconscious, we're breathing correctly. So if you lay on your bed tonight on your back and you breathe, you'll be able to feel that you're breathing properly. The reason we don't breathe well is because as we get older, even at your age, even at, at four and six and ten, little kids, we want to control it. We want to control everything. So we try and control our breathing. And we, we get our bodies stiff and you got to really loosen up. To really sing, your body has to be completely loose and free. The only thing that should be pushed when you're singing is the muscles, your abdominal muscles right there in that bikini strip. They're pushing the air up. That's the only pushing that should happen. Never here, only here. And the more sound you want, the more air you've got to push through. But the rest of your body's got to be really loose. Um, okay, so gives you the idea on breathing. Listening. Here's the listening thing. There are three reasons that you don't hear what everybody else hears. Did you ever tape your voice and you heard it and you went, that's not me. And then you asked a friend and that friend said, yeah, that's you. You're thinking, thanks, good friend. Here's what happens. If you, who are you? Who are you? Jake. Okay, if Jake is going to talk to me, I'm going to hear his voice, the, the, the sound waves coming out of his mouth being produced by his body. I'm going I'm to hear them directly. My, ear, my, my sound catchers, my ears, are going to pick those up directly. But if Jake wants to hear himself, his sound catchers are only hearing his voice bouncing off of me and the piano and everything else and coming back around the corner. So his voice is distorted to him. Plus, where is Jake's vocal mechanism? Where are the vocal folds? Right over top of the windpipe, where are they? Do you know? Where The voice box is where it resonates, but it actually, sound happens. You don't know where sound happens. 
Okay, at the top of your, tra uh, your trachea, which is your windpipe, sits beside your esophagus. The top of the windpipe, the trachea, there are two lips of skin. They look like lips, but they're only, they're only caught on one side. Okay, those are your vocal folds. They're folds like, like cords, like, um, they call them vocal cords, but not because you pluck them, because they're corded muscle that stretches skin over the top and completely closes the trachea so that no air can get up. When you're breathing without any sound, it's because the folds are open, okay? When the folds are closed and you're pushing air up, air comes up through in little puffs. It goes, it sneaks through and then they close. It sneaks through and they close. It sneaks through and then they close. And what that does is that starts the sound wave. See that? Isn't that cool? And so then in the voice box, which is right about here, because the folds are here, touch your Adam's apple. Ladies, you have one too. It's just not as prominent as the men's. Your Adam's apple is actually a piece of cartilage that is placed right there to protect the vocal folds because your, your, your trachea, at the top of your trachea where those folds are, that's right behind there. Put your finger there and say, hey, Nancy, how are you? Can you feel, can you feel it vibrate? That's, that's where it starts. Okay, if that's where the voice starts, what about Jake? Say, Nancy, hi. Nancy, hi. Okay, you are hearing the Nancy high bounce off of me and come around that way. So your outer voice is heard distorted by your outer ears. But your inner ear is right about there and your inner voice is here. How far away is that? And it's inside his head. So he hears something that we can't hear at all. So look at your sheet. Your sheet says your inner ear hears your inner voice. Your outer ear hears your outer voice around the corner. And then look at me. Sound waves make sure everything is shaken up. <laughs> it's the only way I know how to do that. <laughs> mess everything up. But you get the idea. Sound wave is vibration. And so it's like, say, hi, Nancy, how are you? Hi, Nancy, how are you? It's like he's being shaken up. And so poor Jake can't really hear what we all hear. And so he might not like his voice as much as we do, and he can't understand why we like it. Or maybe he likes his voice more than we do, and we can understand why he can't correct some things. <laughs> so you get, get the idea? We love your voice, Jake. <laughs> so matching pitches can be learned. How do you list, what do you have to, which one of those three things do you have to uh, hear more of to get a better feel for how it's really coming across? outer voice absolutely and you get the prize catch this comes from bards hardware it is two pvc elbows and women never buy pvc for anything it's made for okay this and it, i do you have these in kindergarten when i taught kindergarten at fritz you hang it on your ear and then go ahead hang it on your ear and say whisper hi it's loud isn't it okay pass yours around i'll pass mine around the, the very, very, very solid, smooth material conducts your voice up into your ear. Do not do it loudly. If you whisper, you will hear it well. Now, if you don't have a PVC elbow, you now have your own PVC elbow, Jake. Um, you can extend your own sound catchers. Put your, cup your hand behind your ear, extend your ear, your sound catcher, Bring your elbow in and say, hey, nice evening. It's a lot louder, isn't it? 
Now try both. Hey, nice evening. Can you hear yourself? Okay. When somebody beside you in the worship team is looking at you going, huh? You might want to, in practice, employ the uh, method of listening to yourself. Um, the other thing is your quality of sound. With listening, you can get different qualities of sound. Okay? Um, your... You can have a nasal sound like this because you're, 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 you've stuffed your tongue up against the back roof of your mouth and, and all the sound is coming up through your nasal passages because it can't get out your mouth. And then you can have a really, a really low and uh, sort of swallowed sound because you're keeping it all back here because you, for some reason that sounds better to you. And then you can have this really upfront little girl sound or a little boy sound that's like way out in front of your face and that's not really good either. So the best place to have sound, and no, this is not for anybody but me, is think of a ping pong ball. That's where you want your sound. I know, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I have all four of my wisdom teeth, too. Great, great, interesting things. Um, with a ping pong ball, that, this, the idea is can you, can you feel a ping pong ball in your mouth? Feel it, okay? Your, the top of your mouth has to rise a little bit like a cathedral ceiling. And the higher note you have to sing, the more of a yawning sound, uh, feel you want to make. You can get all the way up if you, and guys, you, you can go way up. You can get way bigger registers than we, because we can't, the girls can't go down as far. Um, Tom actually has a five octave uh, register on his own voice. It's amazing. But that's where you want to put the sound. You want to put it right in the middle. If we had time, I'd have you experiment and have you try a nasal sound and try the, the throaty sound and try the upfront little, you know, forward sound and then try that in the middle. It's a really rich sound. Um, okay, so what else do we have? In diction. <laughs> I brought along my little pal here. You get a joke tonight. Once upon a time, there was a big mouth frog. And the big mouth frog didn't like what his mother was feeding him. And so he said, uh, Mom, I don't like your food. Bye. And he went to visit Mrs. Squirrel. And Mrs. Squirrel said, uh, he, he said to Mrs. Squirrel, What do you feed your babies? And she said, I feed my babies nuts and things. And he said, Oh, I don't like nuts. So he went off and he found Mrs. Robin. And he said, Mrs. Robin, what do you feed your babies? And she said, I feed my babies worms and things. And he said, Oh. I don't like worms, bye. And off he goes and he finds Mrs. Alligator and he says, Mrs. Alligator, what do you feed your babies? And she says, I feed my babies big mouth frogs. And he says, oh, haven't seen many of them around lately, have you? Now the point of this joke is open your mouth. If you open your mouth, you can get more sound out. One of the most enjoyable times I've ever had conducting was my first year of teaching was at a small Christian school in Bethlehem and the choir director needed an accompanist but I can't play the piano. So she played the piano and I got to lead the kids. <laughs> and um, one of the things that I did was I made them open their mouths and the parents came up to me later and said, how did you get so much sound out of them? It was really simple. I had this sign that said, open your mouth. <laughs> Seriously. And when we worship sometimes, we get into that sort of, that, that meditative place where we're sort of 
like curled into that intimacy with God and, and, and we're sort of curling ourselves away from the world and, in, and we're closing our eyes and we're closing everything. And uh, you need to think about that because there's a part of worship that is meditative and quiet and closed and just between you and God. But when you are up in front of a group of people and there are people who are watching you and it's your responsibility to worship in such a way that it doesn't distract them from the actual worship, you need to make sure that you know, you're not doing anything that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And you can't always know that. And so that can't be your first thought. But what you do want to do is open yourself up just a little bit more. Realize that that whole group of people is worshiping with you. And have the confidence that you need to know that you are called to that position. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be heartfelt. So let it rip. And, and not in an uncontrolled blah way. It's, it's a balance. But life is a balance. It's a balance between being in the right place with God and doing what he's called you to do. And I have finally found the answer. I'm 48 and I am so excited about this. I finally found the answer. I've been looking for it all my life. What is the answer between being and doing because being is so important? And that is that being has to come first and then everything that you are doing, you have to be in connection with God as you're doing. One of the questions that everybody asks me about my husband, Rich, is how did he go from pastor to agnostic? Here's the deal. He did all the right things in church. I know, I witnessed it, I was there. It was textbook. But he did it for God, not with God. That's my understanding. It's a personal understanding. I don't know that for sure, but it makes sense. God doesn't want you to do things for him. He doesn't need you to do things for him. He desires to do it with you. And so when you're practicing, you're practicing there with God, right there. You're practicing with God here around the piano. And when you're worshiping with the, worship, uh, with the congregation, you're worshiping with him. And it's a doing while you're being. So being is the most important. Um, let's go on to diction. Open your mouth and use your articulators. Do you know what the word articulate means? Guys, you know this. Like in machinery. It's, it's bendable, flexible, okay? Um, it, think about an articulated machine. What, a, a metal machine with lots... Oh, it bends in the middle, okay? And it's got individual parts, doesn't it? Okay? So what you're supposed to do as you articulate is make sure that you are giving each word's letters that are sounded a chance to get out. I, I taught school today and we had a little extra time and so I was you know, just wondering how to fill some of this time and we were going over adjectives. And I said to them, how do you say adjective? And they said, adjective. And I said, let's look at the word. Adjective. Adjective. You don't hear it the way it sounds, but you actually pronounce it adjective. And when you articulate it, when you take it into these different parts and put it together, then it makes so much more sense. And if you are up there on that stage, 
on that platform to, to worship with words that are communicating your heart to the Lord. You want every sound to be clear. And I don't expect you to worship like your opera singers. That would be so totally inappropriate because it would blow everybody away in church and it would totally ruin it. I often tell my students, I don't want you, to, I want you to practice enough that you don't have a wrong note that's going to distract, but I also don't want you to get so good and so beautiful that the only thing people remember is how beautiful your voice is. That's not where it is. It's the message of the song that needs to stand out more than anything. And the only way you can do that is through diction, using good, clear diction. We sing or speak instead of play the piano or just an instrument because there are words. There's something to communicate. All right. I'm going to hand out that other piece of paper. Just going to fly through a couple little extra uh, resources and see if I have anything I missed. Nope. Got it all. If you have your Bible... Turn with me to Matthew 11. Understand that the message is a paraphrase, it's not a translation, but every once in a while there are some extremely excellent wordings in the message that make a verse just jump out and slap you like it never has before. And so I want you to look at... And you don't have to find a Bible, you know, just, just listen if you don't have one. But um, in the NIV, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. This is rest for your soul. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I would, I would, you know be hard-pressed to think that there's one of us in here that doesn't need this. I mean, there can't be. Every one of us needs the rest, and we're, we're weary, we're tired, we're worn out, and we're burdened, we're carrying too much stuff. So listen to it in the, the message. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Do you ever find yourself singing a worship song, and you think, man, I didn't even think of those words. I'm just singing it because I know it. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Listen, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. That's how you want to sing. That's how you want to... I mean, there are times when there's passion, but you still, your body needs to be relaxed and light and free. And the power is coming from... It feels like it's coming from your bowels. It's just, you know, that, that pressure is, is down in this area and it's just moving. The, 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 the air is just pushing up through and sailing that, that sound out of your body. And... Um, and God tells us that he can do this in our lives. But we have to take his yoke upon us. You've seen horses yoked together in the fields, right? Well, interesting thing with yoke. You know, God tells us to take his yoke, not ours. Not what we think we should do. And that often comes into play with worship because a lot of times, 
Spontaneous things happen in worship that you didn't expect. And there's, there's a, a real balance that you have to have when you're leading worship where you have to be prepared enough, but not too prepared that you squelch the Spirit. And yet you don't want to just wing it all the time and trust that the Spirit's going to be there without being accountable for what God has called you to do and given you the power to do, which is practice and learn. So there's, there's a balance again. So much of this is balance. Well, here are some um, the five t uh, t tips for, for worship teams. You have to have a right relationship with God because you have absolutely no business coming um, to the throne without a right relationship with Him. And certainly you can't bring others. It's not fair to them. And I would, would hope that if someday you are supposed to be up in a worship team and that day you have just been fighting with God, that you tell the worship team, I just can't be up there today. That's totally appropriate. It's also appropriate to do business with God in the seconds before you get up there. It's never too late. And God's grace and forgiveness is instantaneous when your heart is in the right place. So your heart has to be in right relationship with God. And then two, I say an attitude check. Did you ever see someone leading worship that really shouldn't have been leading worship because it was all about them? Unfortunately, that happens sometimes. We get so excited about what we're doing and we love it so much that sometimes it just looks like it's all about us. And so school yourself to remember why you're there and who this is about and the people that you're there for. One of the most incredible experiences I ever had with a young person was with Bethany, uh, Bethany Rudy from your church. And uh, I took her to her first Christian women's club where she was going to do the secular song and the, uh, and the sacred song. And, you know, it's a group of women that meet older women and bring friends. And so Bethany got out of school and I took her and we set up and showed her how to go through it. And then I was there for her mom and her grandma. And um, when she, uh, when we got finished, I said, Let, let's go pray. And um, so we went over to the side and I said, would you like to pray? And I did not expect her to pray. She's in ninth grade. And she said, yeah, I'd like to pray. And so she prayed. Do you know what she prayed? She prayed for the hearts of those women to be prepared to hear whatever God had for them that day, no matter what happened and what came out of her mouth. It was incredible. And then, I've never seen anything like it. She got up there and she sang those two songs like I had never heard her sing in, in, in lessons. In lessons, she was always so careful and so wanting to do it the right way, a very melancholy personality. And when she got up there, she knew and she took to heart that once your preparation is done and then you're actually in front of people performing, and I say performing because your car performs for you, it, it's working, okay? When, when, when you're actually in the moment, you can let go and let God do that. He will do it through you. You've prepared the vessel. He's going to fill it and use it. Prayer. If you're having a hard time in a special area and, and it's, it's affecting your worship, ask somebody to pray with you specifically about that. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's never wrong to have you know, regular prayer with somebody so that your heart is always clean. And pray for your worship times that God just takes away every distraction and can totally take you to the throne. And then own. Own the songs that you're going you're gonna to lead. By owning them, I mean make sure you know what the, what the lyrics mean. One of the things I'm really hard on my students on is, is <laughs> you don't get to sing the song until you can tell me what the song means. And I'm going to quiz you on big words. I want to know that you've looked them up in the dictionary. You know? 
You have a responsibility, like a minister of the gospel, you're a minister of the worship and the praise and the comfort and the joy in that church. And then five, this is a real pet peeve, don't steal music. All the music on this CD was not purchased from the original artist who wrote the songs. The only thing that a songwriter gets from the song that he or she uh, you know, puts out there that she or he composes is so many cents per every copy of a recorded version of that song. That's all they get. And so the, the rights are super important and we're getting into better and better technology where things are more protected and you've got great, um, I've never seen some of those um, new worship. Oh, it's awesome. But be fair, be very careful. When you have a printed lyric sheet, that's the, like the worst thing. Uh, if there's no other way that you can lead worship without that printed thing in a, in a small setting, just make sure that once you've used those sheets that you absolutely get every one of them and discard them. Um, so anyway, word to the wise, uh, don't take it lightly and don't steal music. Um, just to give you that scripture again, and um, those websites are there. Um, if you need some downloads of performance tracks, Praise Charts is really good. They're simple, they're cheap, and uh, you can download and then you can... I usually put it then on a CD, and then I use... Do you see the last one there? To rip music from your CD to your computer as an MP3, there's a free program called Free CD to MP3. And I'll rip most of my songs that way and put them on my computer that way so I have more control over them. And then I use Audacity if I have to um, edit anything. And you can, Audacity is also a free program. You guys should know about that um, because you can take snippets of songs and use them in, in videos and all sorts of things. You just have to make sure you're giving credit where credit is due. Um, and then music backgrounds, uh, there's, there's free worship backgrounds is a great site. And if you need sheet music, most of the time you don't need sheet music anymore because worship songs are just sort of passed on by hearing them. Uh, but if you need sheet music, particularly Music Notes has it. Now, what questions do you have for me? Anything? It's long. Lots of stuff. It's all over the place. Yes. Yes. Okay. When you clear your throat, you're actually slapping these little cords together like this. If you take your hands and you do this 10 times, it's just your, your hands sting. That's what happens when you're coughing or clearing. So if you can swallow, try swallowing instead of coughing because just that, that movement in your throat will sometimes clear. Um, but take water with you everywhere. Yeah. And watch your inhalers. Some inhalers and some... Um, uh, and histamines and things that you take really dry you out and you need that water in your system. So the more water you can use, the better. And if you find that you're incredibly dry, one of the best things that you can do is eat an apple because the white part of the apple is as close to the uh, composition of our saliva as, as possible. It's really, it's amazing, the similarities. And then the crunchiness of the, the peel makes you chew, which brings more saliva into your mouth. And so an apple is like 
the promised fruit. <laughs> it works. Watch your caffeine as well. Any caffeine, if you take a cup of coffee in, it is not a liquid. <laughs> it, it, caffeinated coffee will, one cup in means that you have lost two cups of liquid because it's a diuretic. And so then you have to put three cups in because you lost the one you drank plus you lost two more. So it's, it's a mess. Um, the, the more decaf you can drink, the better. Apples, the, the sugar in that is so natural that your body processes that pretty well. And don't expect it to, you know, drink a bottle of water just before you go up and be hydrated. You have to hydrate all the time. Yes, yes. Well, here's the thing. You can drink skim milk. Skim milk is the absolute best thing uh, as far as the low calorie content and high protein. Uh, and skim milk should not bother you. It's the fats that bother us. So gravies and salad dressings and ice cream has a high fat content and regular milk has a high content of fat and the cream in your coffee. So those fats are what really nail you. The fats and the sugars are what suck that moisture out of your mouth. So you know what I've been eating lately. Yeah. No silly question. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Cracking your neck is not a good idea. Cracking anything isn't really a good idea unless you're um, trained <laughs> to know how to crack it so that it's cracked the right way. Otherwise, you can get calcium deposit buildups and stuff like that. So, truthfully, it's not good. But here's here's something with uh, with your neck. When when you when you get here in the morning <laughs> and you're like, oh, <laughs> you want to you wanna loosen up your body. So the best thing you can do are shoulder rolls. And oh, my body's cracking. <laughs> it's old. But uh, you want to do uh, backwards and forward shoulder rolls to, to loosen up this part of your body. And then you want to do, um, you want to put your ear down on your shoulder and roll around the front very slowly. You can even tug a little bit on your head and just get that really nice stretch. But only go from ear to ear. Don't go back. Okay, hold on. You can go back with your head if you go from straight back. But don't roll from side to side because your neck really doesn't work that way. Okay, so, so go from shoulder around the front to shoulder. And then you also want to work your jaw a little bit. So you want to pretend you're a Lancaster County cow and chew your cud. It's delightfully you know, entertaining. And then you can sigh like that and just get, you can do this in the car too, people love you, <laughs> drive by. Anything else? You can email me anytime, love questions. All right, let's close our time together. And uh, what I want you to do is, I want you to bow your head and just crawl into that subspace. This is a time when you can scritch down because you don't have to breathe deep. <laughs> but um, just crawl into your own subspace with God and listen to the words of this song because I am sure and I hope that they are the song of your heart as well.
before your throne. I bear the deepest part of me to you and you alone. I keep no secrets for there is no thought you have not known. I bring my best and all the rest to you and lay them down with all my heart I want to love you Lord and live my life each day to That is in me is yours completely I'll serve you only with all my You faithfully supply my needs according to your plan. So help me, Lord, to seek your face before I seek your hand. And trust you know what's best for me when I don't understand. Then follow in obedience in every circumstance. With all my heart, I want to love you, Lord, and live my life. that is in me it's yours completely I'll serve you only with all my Father, you are so amazing. Who are we to think that we could lead anyone else to your presence or even come ourselves? But you are who you say you are, and you love us more than we can imagine. And nothing we do will ever make you love us more. Nothing we do will ever make you love us less than you do right now. Might we be given the grace to live worthy of that love. And might we understand that we are fallible, normal, earthly creatures with an amazing God, and might we radiate who you are, no matter what we ourselves are like. 
Thank you for perfectly creating us and giving us the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name and by the power of the Spirit, we pray with joy. Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Lanco Worship Link Training. Join us each month as we get together to inspire, connect, and equip local worship teams. Find out when the next event is at lancoworshiplink.blogspot.com. And as always, stay linked.